Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you can get podcasts. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Stack in the Box. I'm Matt Verderam alongside Josh Hill. Thanks for being patient this week. Of course, Monday was Memorial Day, and I was driving back to Chicago from New York, where I grew up on Tuesday, and then craziness ensued yesterday. So it's a Thursday taping. I know it's late, but hopefully you're still waiting on bated breath for it, and we are delivering now. And hey, look at it this way. you got less of a wait until the next one comes out, which will be on Monday. So good news there. This time of the year, let's face it, not a ton to talk about, right? Like it's OTAs, which are fun and exciting if you're the hardcore NFL fan. But the reality of it is, there's not a lot to glean from them. Usually, as long as you stay healthy, you're, you're good to go. Um, we're still a few months away from training camp. But there's always something to talk about in the NFL. And one thing that I've noticed a lot recently is there's been a lot of talk about Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes and some of the other first and second year quarterbacks in the league. And so... Uh, we decided we're going to jump in and talk about some of these guys and just kind of give our twist on our expectations. And so, Josh, I'll give you the floor. Uh, any first-year or second-year quarterback that to you, either good or bad, catches your attention going into this season? Um, well, for reasons that are both interesting to me and forced upon me from watching football with you every Sunday, <laughs> uh, Patrick Mahomes is of great interest uh, just because – you know, that franchise has never had a franchise quarterback, oh, a homegrown franchise quarterback. Right. So that and he looks like the real deal. So if he's able to not go the RG3 route, not sacrifice his body, if he's able to get things going, I'm I'm really interested in seeing what he does with the Chiefs. And similarly, uh, Mitchell Trubisky. He really intrigues me. I'm looking at, you know, people are already comparing him. You know, he's going to be the Carson Wentz this year. He's going to be the Jared Goff of this year. And, you know, again, not to tie it back to the Chiefs, but, you know, Matt Nagy's over there now. Kind of had his hands on Mahomes a little bit last year, kind of porting over some of the, that offense, brought in some free agent tools. I'm really excited to see what Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky does. I don't think that the Bears are going to be this year's Rams or that Trubisky's going to have some revolutionary year, but I do think we're going to see – steps being taken for Trubisky to be the guy and kind of silence a lot of the conversation that was drumming up around him when he was drafted when the Bears made that stupid trade to move up one spot to get him put all put all the pressure on him he comes in last year John Fox throws him to the Wolves that's all going to kind of go away I think because now we're going to see a different side of Mitchell Trubisky he's going to come along slowly and when the Bears as a team are ready to compete in a year or so he's his timeline is going to line up with that well We'll get to Mahomes here in a little bit because obviously I, I have lots of thoughts on that. <laughs> um, but you know what? We're, we're based in Chicago. We'll go with Trubisky. Um, last year he comes in. I believe Glennon started the first four games of the year. Then he got benched uh, for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. And so and so Trubisky comes in, plays the last three quarters of the year. And he wasn't overly impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be fair to Trubisky, he was in an almost impossible situation because you knew that at the end of the year John Fox was gone. And they had no weapons. No. Uh, only the Bills created less yardage from their receivers and tight ends than the Bears did. Yep. Okay? 
And if you look at his numbers last year, 59% completion rate, 2,100 yards, actually almost 2,200 yards, seven touchdowns, seven picks. Now, on the surface, well, that's, that's not anything to get excited about, and, and fine. Um, but we felt the same way, even more so, about Jared Goff. Yep. And Jared Goff got a new head coach, got some weapons around him, and all of a sudden, what do you know? Jared Goff goes from looking like a surefire bust to being one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Mm-hmm. You already mentioned Wentz. Wentz went from a guy who really did not do much in his first year, showed some flashes, to all of a sudden becoming an MVP candidate. Now, does that mean Trubisky's definitely going to do that? No. But this year, consider this. They add Allen Robinson. Okay. They add Trey Burton, who's an athletic tight end with a lot of upside. They add Taylor Gabriel, who's one of the faster receivers in the league. None of those guys may be all pros, although Robinson has the potential to be a, a pro bowler as he was before in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. But they have a really good running game. I think the defense is pretty solid. And Nagy coming over from the Chiefs. Look, Nagy is another one of those young offensive minds. I really like what he brings to them. I thought he was a great hire. I thought he was the right hire. A lot of Chief fans want him to be the coach and waiting behind Reed. Um, so I like Trubisky's direction. I think that the Bears are going to see a really improved player. Um, I don't know that he has the ceiling, maybe, of some of the other guys that we're going to be talking about. Mm-hmm. But I, I think his floor is high. I, 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 don't, I don't look at him and think he's going to be a bust. No. I think he's at least going to be a solid player in the league. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking like, uh, you know, a rich man's Josh McCowan, maybe. Like the, a guy who's going to be or he's going to be consistent. Trubisky's going to be reliable. Maybe not going to set you on fire. Maybe like early career Matthew Stafford, where he's showing a lot of promise, a lot of potential. And who knows? Maybe that, you know, the floor and the ceiling are, are a lot different than we think it is. And he is going to eventually turn into that Matthew Stafford type of quarterback who is reliable, is a franchise guy, but is always a couple of steps behind, not able to get it done. Uh, so, yeah, Trubisky is one that really excites me. If we're talking about quarterbacks who might be held down by their head coaches, you know, Trubisky's got Nagy now, so maybe he's going to be free that. We've said it a lot last year, and we're going to be saying it a lot again this year. Deshaun Watson and Bill O'Brien, prayers up. Like, come on, man. Hopefully it works out because Watson looks like he's going to come back. He was really exciting before he unfortunately hurt himself in practice towards ACL. Now he's coming back, got some weapons on that offense. Maybe they go out and get Des Bryant still. We don't know. Defense, you're getting a lot of players back. We said it earlier in the offseason. They're the most improved team that didn't have to sign anybody in free agency. And they still signed somebody in free agency and got, you know, Tyron Matthau and uh, Colvin from the Jaguars. So Watson, I think, is the most exciting quarterback to me just because it felt like we didn't get to see all he could do last year before his season was cut short. So there's that kind of, you know, wanting to see the picture completed thing. And hopefully we see that this year. Well, with Watson, well, he somehow went through the entire training camp in Houston <laughs> and was not named a starter over Tom Satch. And I'm not oh, kidding. Like, we talked about this all the time. I would have fired Bill O'Brien yeah. for, for that reason alone. I don't care. Look, people can say, well, they wanted to bring him along. I get that if you've got a veteran guy in front of him who can really play. Mm-hmm. Okay, like let's say for this year, and we'll get to him, but Baker Mayfield behind Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod mm-hmm. Taylor is a capable NFL quarterback. I understand why the Browns would sit behind, sit Mayfield behind him. Mm-hmm. What are we talking about with with Tom Savage in front of Deshaun Watson? So Deshaun Ooh. Watson though ends up coming in one half into Week One, comes in, plays against Jacksonville, nothing special there, and really like you know if you look at his numbers, the first two games, that Jacksonville game and the, and his first full game, first start against Cincinnati. Cincinnati, yeah. Okay, he came in, he was 
awful against Cincinnati. 15 to 24 for a buck 25. Now, he did run for a bunch of yards in that game, but he was terrible throwing the football. But then, from there on out, he has five more starts. He has two games of over 300 yards, one up in New England, one in Seattle. Yep. Okay? And he ultimately goes for 19 touchdowns and eight picks in those seven games. Then he tears his ACL in non-contact practice. You go from there. But he really looks like he's a superstar in waiting. Oh, yeah. You know, his completion percentage was, was fine for a rookie, almost 62%, 1,700 yards. I mean, he checked off all the boxes you want to see. Eight and eight and a third yards attempt. Like, you're around seven and a half. That's great. He's, he's almost a full yard above that. I love Deshaun Watson. Here are my questions because I'm trying to give, you know, a full-fledged picture of mm-hmm. everything going on there. I know DeAndre Hopkins is, is a great player. Yep. Will Fuller is kind of like a Mike Wallace to me. Like he's a he's a he's a yeah. deep threat, but he's not a full route tree kind of guy. They don't have a tight end. Lamar Miller's a solid enough running back. Their offensive line is what worries me because their offensive line stunk last year, mm-hmm. and they did upgrade interiorly, or at least they tried to with some signings. They brought in Zach Fulton for Kansas City as the big name guy, but they did nothing at the tackle spots. That concerns me. Uh, now, Watson is really athletic. He's mobile. He can get out of there. But for a guy coming off a torn ACL, that is a worry. Yeah. Okay? As far as the coach goes, and we don't need to beat this into the ground, <laughs> that is a major concern to me. Now, yeah. I get it. People are going to say, ah, he was a quarterback's coach with, with Brady, and he went to Penn State. Look, Hill and I could coach Brady. Mm-hmm. You know how you coach Brady? You take about four steps back and stand there mm-hmm. and just get out of the way. So, and at Penn State, he developed Christian Hackenberg. Whom he didn't even want to trade with a seventh-round pick for. Right. So, like, let's so, be real. Like, let's not exactly go nuts here about yeah. how great. And he also thought that Tom Savage was a better player than Deshaun Watson <laughs> come week one. So, like, I, I just have major questions about that. I, but that being said, in terms of the player himself, Watson's talent is beyond reproach. I think he's going to be a terrific player. Mm-hmm. I think everybody does. Um, only thing he's got to do, and he was a rookie, I expect him to do this, is just bring those interceptions down a little bit. Yeah. Because he was on pace for around 20 last year. Now, granted, if he throws 50 touchdowns, I think he'll get over it. But I, I think he's going to be a really, really a big-time talent. And he was the third quarterback taken in the 2017 draft. Of course, mm-hmm. Trubisky going first, Mahomes going a few spots ahead of him. Yeah, and the, uh, the thing with, with Watson, you were rattling off the stats after that Cincinnati game. You know, something that people need to really pay attention to is the Seattle game and the New England game not only did he play very well, but they almost won those games. And sure. they lost them because of Bill O'Brien. Yeah, so, absolutely. Like, that's, that, that's why we have such a problem with, with the head coach here is those should be wins. Those should be big notches on his belt. Those should be on his, you know, the mantle. The rookie season goes in New England with road games. We didn't mention that. Those were in New England, in Seattle. Yep. Big, big importance there. So that's why there's so much hesitation with Bill O'Brien here. But who knows? Maybe... Maybe he'll figure it out. So those are, I mean, we'll touch on Mahomes, I guess, in a little bit because you're going to have a lot to say about that. Just running through these second-year quarterbacks, touched on Trubisky, touched on Watson. Deshaun Kaiser was the fourth quarterback taken in 2017 by the Browns. He now plays for the Packers. And I use play very flexible in a flexible sense because he's going to be sitting behind Aaron Rodgers and Brett Hundley. Uh, Anything to say about Deshaun Kaiser? Other than sorry that Cleveland took you and Hugh Jackson you know what? threw I'll, you out there. Yeah, I'll say this for Sean Kaiser. I don't think that kid had any chance. Mm-mm. They stunk. And Hugh Jackson, you know, listen, we talk about coaches sometimes because I think coaches in the NFL are more important than any other sport. They, they mm-hmm. matter. 
Hugh Jackson did that kid a massive disservice. Yep. He wasn't ready to start. He was a second round. But you know, here's all you got to know. Okay, Trubisky did not start week one. Mm-mm. Watson, although he should have, did not start week one. Mahomes did not start any games until week 17 nope. when the game meant nothing. The Chiefs had already wrapped up the AFC West. And the Browns, who have no talent at all around this poor kid, were like, hey, get out there and see what you can do. It was a recipe for disaster. Then, even worse than that, in my opinion, they didn't even let him play. They would pull him, yep. then they'd start him again, then they'd pull him again. Look, you'll get his stats, and they're awful. 53.5% completion rate, 11 touchdowns, 22 picks, led the league in interceptions. He was, he was terrible. He sacked 38 times. But what did they expect out of him? Like, to me, look, do I think Kaiser's good? Well, stats say, no, he wasn't good. But I think, you know, and this goes to a larger point that we can maybe get into or maybe we don't have time, but I think a lot of times in the NFL, kids getting drafted, especially at that position, it's not about their level of talent. I mean, certainly, yes, you have to have a requisite Mm -hmm. amount of talent, but it's about where you go. It's about the fit. It's about the scheme. Like, the reason... And I'll get into this more for sure. But the reason I love where Mahomes is is not, you know, because I'm a Chief fan, but because he's with Andy Reid. Mm-hmm. Now look at the talent around him offensively. Like if he sucks, he really sucks. Like yep. there is nowhere he will succeed more than that. Con- conversely, Kaiser, he had no chance. Like if that were, you could have picked the worst situation for a guy, that's it. Now he goes to Green Bay. Obviously, he's going to sit behind Aaron Rodgers. I hope he can rehabilitate himself. And get another shot down the line. But uh, you have a year like that, unfortunately. People are always going to color you by it. So I, I think he's probably looking at uh, a long road back there for being a starter. Yeah, and, you know, Hugh Jackson never having his back. That was, to me, one of the worst Absurd. things. Like, I get, you know, this old... We always talk about old school versus new school football. And it was very old school, you know, baptism by fire. You got to go out there and find your legs yourself. But... I don't know. Like, it's a different generation of quarterbacks coming up. Like, in a broader sense, you know, the workforce is changing. It's a younger generation now. It's a different generation raised different ways. And we saw that with, like, millennials and entering the workplace, and they were treating differently, and you know, baby boomers and everybody, Gen X people complaining, you know, these millennials. Same kind of thing, you know, it's, it's different. And, you know, we'll talk about Baker Mayfield a little bit, but that was the thing about Baker Mayfield. It was like, or especially Josh Rosen. Like, oh, he's, he's on too, too many different things. He's too intellectual. He reads the news too much. Like, give me a break yeah, the, the problem with Josh Rosen is he reads. <laughs> yeah. That's, which is, I, I love football as much as anybody, but that is the most NFL, like, <laughs> you know, well, what's the knock on? Well, he can think. Okay, that's great. Glad, glad we got a knock on him. Oh, my God. Uh, just rounding out some of these second-year quarterbacks here. Davis Webb went to the Giants in 2017 no, in the no third comment. round. And the Giants took a quarterback the next year. Did they not? In 2018? Yeah, they did. There you go. Uh, the Giants, I don't think, are looking at Davis Webb as being the answer moving no. forward. C.J. Beathard went to the 49ers. Josh Dobbs to the Steelers. Another team that took a quarterback the year yep. after. And then Nathan Peterman, the 171st pick. I think that's over. That, is, that <laughs> might be the done. quickest end to a career. Five picks and a half. Good night. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. My God, Brad Kaya went to the uh, Lions in the sixth round, and then Chad Kelly 
Mr. Irrelevant goes to the Broncos. Goes to the Broncos, and for all we know, is probably going to be starting in Week Four. I'll so. tell you, this, here's a, here's a hot take. He will make the Broncos longer. He will be on the team longer in Denver than Paxton Lynch will. It's not bad. Paxton Lynch is done. Paxton Lynch, okay, no bueno. Um, now, all that being said, we touched. I, I didn't even know we were going that deep on all these. Oh uh, no, we got to get that all out of the system. Now we can circle back to yeah. Patrick Mahomes. Okay, so, <laughs> oh yeah, so let's go to Mahomes. Um, our coworker John Bueller, who is the college football savant and, and loves the NFL, he's a Falcons fan. How he how he lived through the Falcons losing the Super Bowl the way they did, and then Georgia, where he went to school, losing to Alabama. God bless him. He compares Patrick Mahomes to Matthew Stafford. Obviously, he, he knows very well from Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually like the comparison. Now, I don't think you know, he's going to come out and throw for 4,800 yards this year. But here's the thing with Mahomes. It really intrigues me on a lot of levels. First of all, just coming from the, my position on this as someone who does root for the team, the Chiefs, as you mentioned earlier, have never had a homegrown franchise quarterback. And for mm-hmm. those people who are saying, you guys don't know your history, it's Len Dawson. He played on the Browns and the Steelers before he got to the Chiefs. Okay? After Len Dawson, it's a smorgasbord of crap, ranging from Mike Livingston and Bill Kenny to Todd Blackledge, who, by the way, Todd Blackledge, they took in 1983, seventh overall. Until they took Mahomes, 34 years later, he was the last guy they took in the first round. Last guy. And he was the last quarterback that the Chiefs drafted to win a game for them. <laughs> Before Mahomes won in Week 17, the Chiefs had not had a, a winning performance from one of their own drafted quarterbacks since 1987. So when Mahomes won, it was the first quarterback of my lifetime that the Chiefs drafted to win an NFL game. Okay, so For them. That's all you need to know. Um... Now, they're a weird situation because unlike a lot of teams, you know, you always hear that. Oh, we're going to sit him. We're going to sit him. We're going to sit him. And then week three, the guy's in. Mm-hmm. Well, last year, Alex Smith looked like an MVP of the league the first half of the season. So, yeah. he, he sat behind him. Mahomes ends up sitting all the way to week 17. They go into Denver. They actually play Paxton Lynch. And they, the Chiefs win. Mahomes plays very well in the game. Um, and the hype train has been off the rails since. Mm-hmm. Now, I admit, because I root for the team, and I try to read everything on everybody, but I'm sure that those headlines pop out to me a little bit more. And I, I can't remember a quarterback since Luck getting the amount of hype that he has going into this year. It almost feels like if Mahomes is just good this year, it's a gigantic failure. Uh, and I think that's unfair to the kid. Mm-hmm. But I also think he has more pressure than any Kansas City athlete has ever faced going into his first year. The the expectations are through the roof in that city on this kid. Yeah, and from what we've seen from him so far, like, there's a lot to love. So, again, I'm completely on the outside of this, not being a Chiefs fan, but just from a purely football perspective, it is exciting to see that, you know, a, a, a quarterback of his caliber in the position he is, not only with Andy Reid, but with that offense and with the Chiefs team that, for about half a season, we thought could go to the Super Bowl until they went full Chiefs. But yeah, um, a lot of that team is still intact, offensively at least. So with Patrick Mahomes, it's all going to come down to whether or not he can stay out of his own head. Because what we saw out of him, granted it was against a very bad team in the last week of the season, it was impressive. And a lot, some of those throws that he made, I'm not talking about the performance against the defense itself because that was bad, but the throws, the actual mechanics of what he was doing was very impressive and it leaves a lot to to look forward to and for Chiefs fans who haven't had this at all a homegrown talent at quarterback 
or rarely a quarterback that fills with any sort of confidence, this is big. Even when Alex Smith was going off on his you know, MVP little style at the beginning of the season, there was a, that little cloud hanging over every Chiefs fan's head being like, this isn't going to last, or something's yeah. up here. I don't know what it is. It turns out it didn't last. Something was up, and then they go on a huge losing streak, and now Alex Smith is in Washington. So with Mahomes, it is unfair to have that kind of expectation on his head, but... You know, it's really going to tell us a lot about who he is as a leader. His second year in charge of the team, all that expectation, how does he handle it? Is he able to manage it well? Is he able to perform well? And we're going to learn a lot about him. Look, you'll get his stats from that game at 22 or 35 for mm-hmm. 284 and a pick. And you'd say, okay, it was, you know, it was fine. He had the one pick. Anyone who has access to the film of that game, mm-hmm. I encourage you to go and watch it. Because it really, like, listen, I watch every game. Every single game. I watch games live, then I go back and watch them condensed. I watch every team in the league. It's my job. That's why I'm here at Fansided. I take a lot of pride in, in being honest with what I see. Yeah. The Mahomes game, and Josh, you can attest that you were in the office. Oh, yeah. Me, I almost started to weep openly <laughs> at one point true. during the game. I mean, he made four or five throws in the game that were just unbelievable. Now, the question is, can he repeat that every game? Mm-hmm. Or is that just a game where he just... You got lucky, beginners, lucky means. But there were throws that you just said. If he can do that all the time, they're going to be absurd because he beat Denver starting defense and he did it with all the Chiefs backups in the game. Now you spin it forward. And this, frankly, is why, along with Watson, I'm most intrigued by those two guys. Mm-hmm. Watson has DeAndre Hopkins. He's got Lamar Miller. Will Fuller is the deep threat. The Chiefs have Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, Kareem Hunt, and Andy Reid calling that offense. I mean, that is. You're not going to find better weapons on any team in the league alongside maybe Pittsburgh. That is just an absurd amount of talent. And Mahomes can throw the ball as hard as anybody. Now, I'm not even... To me, the arm strength thing is great. I'm more excited about when you watch the film, he goes through progressions. He can he understands what he's looking at. I think part of that is maybe his father was a professional athlete for a dozen years in baseball. Mm-hmm. Mahomes was drafted as a pitcher. He obviously didn't go. Um, I just... When I look at him... I think there's going to be a lot of games this year where whether or not you're a fan of the Chiefs, if you're watching the game, you're going to say, what is he doing? Mm-hmm. Why is he throwing the ball there? He should not throw the ball there because he trusts his arm. I think there's going to be other games where you go, they, how did they win that game? Well, mm-hmm. because he made four or five throws. It just boggles your mind. But I can't wait. I really wish they played the Texans this year because I just love to see those two guys go against each other. That'd be great. And a lot of what you're saying here, too, reminds me of how I feel about Jameis Winston. It's, you know, it's a little bit more of an extreme with him because the bright side with, with Mahomes is we're expecting him to not make those mistakes and to be a smarter quarterback. But a lot of these things we were saying about Winston going into last season, if he can just cut down on the interceptions, if he can just make sure that he trusts his arm to the extent he needs to trust it and not over-trust it, they're going to be fine. And we saw exactly what happens when that goes wrong, when he can't get the turnovers under control, when he tries to thread the needle too much, and it ends in a turnover. So hope that that's we've seen it, and that's Winston, and it's been a bunch of other quarterbacks, but it's just the most recent example. But hopefully that's not what we see out of Mahomes next year. But it is a possibility, so I don't want Chiefs fans to, to get too, too, too into it. But at the same time, what, uh, Mahomes did show us a lot that implies things are going to be okay because his first game, 
again, complete opposite of Winston's first game. Four interceptions, all this and that. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it from a, a, a football perspective and because I like when you yell at the television and it's not an angry thing. Josh, you're going to get that regardless. <laughs> the, the expletives are positive, so <laughs> the tears are joy. <laughs> That's, yeah, which is a wild change. Look, I'll wrap up on Mahomes with this. Um, this is... You know, we always talk about the NFL schedule, and mm-hmm. obviously as the year goes on. Now, the NFL schedule is fascinating. When they release it, my God, it does incredible ratings. Yeah. Okay, Kansas City this year has quite a few primetime games. And I think some people maybe were a little surprised by that because they traded Mark Spears, they traded Alex Smith. Well, looking at their schedule, okay, week four, Monday Night Football in Denver. Mm-hmm. So back to where Mahomes started his grip, this time a little bit warmer. Two weeks later, and this is the game, if they're good, it's going to be fascinating. They go at New England on Sunday Night Football. Of course, they were up there last year to start the year, and they, they clobber New England in a year. Some people thought they might go undefeated. I want Mahomes versus Brady because if Mahomes yeah. is good the first five games of the year, look, I go on Kansas City radio all the time. The amount of hype in Kansas City going into that game, because the Chiefs are like 4-1 and one going into that game, it's going to be outrageous. Um, they also have a game on Mexico, in Mexico City, week 11, a Monday nighter against the Rams. Marcus Peters against Mahomes. Uh, that'll be fascinating. And then they have a couple. They have a Thursday nighter against the Chargers. They have a Sunday nighter, uh, December 23rd at Seattle. So, look, you're going to get to see plenty of Mahomes. Um, but, yeah, look, I, I think in the AFC, Brady and Roethlisberger, as great as they are, their careers are coming to a close. Yeah. And I want to see this next generation of guys. Like, I want to see Mahomes. I want to see Watson. And I want to get to the next guy, Lamar Jackson. Yep. I don't think he starts this year unless Flacco gets hurt or they just go completely south. Mm-hmm. But to me, when I'm looking at the AFC, look, I don't care how great Brady is. He's 41 years old. Yep. Like at some point here, that's ending. And Roethlisberger is 37, right? Oh, yeah. Rivers also going to be 37 in December. So that next crop of Watson, Mahomes, Darnold, who we'll get to, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson – Maybe even if you want to toss in, you know, Derek Carr. There's a lot of AFC quarterbacks, Marks Mariota. Yep. But for me, of all those guys, Mahomes, Watson, and then Lamar Jackson really intrigued me quite a bit with Darnold as well. Your thoughts on Lamar Jackson first year here in Baltimore? Uh, well, we kind of talked about this on our draft show a little bit, but the initial reaction to Jackson in, in Baltimore is it's a perfect fit for a number of reasons. Not the least of which is now there's an out with the Joe Flacco deadweight contract, which was, you know, we'd mentioned that a bunch of times last year on Sack in the Box after watching the Ravens barely win a game or barely lose a game or in London just absolutely lose a game. Uh, It's Flacco. They're paying a tax for the Super Bowl that they won. They're still paying that bill off. And now they finally have, it didn't look like they were going to be able to get out of that anyhow. Now they have Jackson. It's somebody that can develop in that system. They don't need to start him this year. Flacco is going to be starting. Even if Flacco gets hurt, I'd put in Robert Griffin III ahead of Jackson, to be honest with you. I wouldn't put Jackson in it wouldn't all risk. this year. Uh, let him watch. Let him learn. From two you know, pretty good teachers, you know, say what you will about Robert Griffin III, but the man knows how to play football. Okay? You might not know how to stay healthy, but that's, something, that's also something he can teach Lamar Jackson, a similarly mobile quarterback who people say are really athletic, likes to move around, needs to watch what he does with his body. Lessons to learn from RG3. And, of course, you know, Joe Flacco, we make fun of him all the time, but, you know, Super Bowl-winning quarterback, 
knows how to play the game, knows how to teach the game. And it seems to be more receptive than than Ben Roethlisberger to teaching somebody to be his successor. So if I'm a Ravens fan, I'm really, really happy about Lamar Jackson. All this stuff about, oh, he should have been a wide receiver. He's too athletic to play quarterback. The too athletic to play quarterback argument is the equivalent it's 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 the meathead equivalent of or the gym rat equivalent of oh he's too smart to play quarterback he reads too many long books to be quarterback it's the same thing you want you well you want your quarterback to be a fat guy no you don't want your quarterback to be some lumbering guy who can't get out of the pocket who can't avoid sacks who can't make plays happen on his feet no you want the most athletic smart guy to be running your team and that's lamar jackson and i think we're gonna we're not gonna see that this year but he is going to be somebody to keep an eye on, and Ravens fans should be really happy about that fit. I agree completely when it comes to the fit, and I talked earlier about it. I think a lot of times that's what it is. It's mm-hmm. far more about that than yeah. it. Look, if Lamar Jackson goes to, uh, let, let's say, I don't know, the Browns of a couple of years ago, yeah. right? Like, um, I'm out. Yeah. I'm all the way out. Now, I, I think Jackson really – He's going he's gonna to learn at the knee of, say whatever you want about Flacco, but Flacco's won a Super Bowl. He's been there. Yep. Okay, he's a veteran guy. And and I agree with you. It's an astute point. Robert Griffin III, very similar skill sets. Like, he knows how to play. Like, Robert Griffin III, before he got hurt, everybody thought was going to be a superstar. Oh, yeah. And I, and I was one of them. So, I agree. Um, I think the Ravens did the right thing by trading up, getting that fifth-year option by getting him in the first round. Yep. So it allows them to stash him for a little while longer. And I think if you're the Ravens, look, you're not winning the Super Bowl this year. Let's be real, okay? The offense stinks. Michael Crabtree is the only real weapon you got on the outside. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is, man. Brashad Perriman's not getting it done, okay? Yeah. Alex Collins, maybe he's a good back. He showed something in the last year. But, like, that offense is not good. No. And I'm not looking to jam Lamar Jackson to that situation. Best case for the Ravens, maybe you're sneaking as a wild card. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a fun year or whatever. You're not going to – although I'll say this, and actually you said this, to be fair. That division – like the Steelers always have what it seems to be a stranglehold in that division. If we're doing this podcast in eight months from now and it's like, man, Steelers went 7-9, wouldn't be totally shocked. Yeah. But that's a different conversation. I like Lamar Jackson a lot. I don't think he should play this year. I think he needs to learn. He got better every year at Louisville, yep. but it's just a big jump, obviously. I think he sits. I think it's the right move. And another guy I think ought to sit at least early in the year is Sam Darnold. Oh, yeah. I like Sam Darnold a lot. I'm on record as saying I thought he was the best quarterback and what, to me, was a very average class because I don't know if there's any – there was good quantity. I don't know if there's anybody in that class I think is going to be an all-pro or mm-hmm. a Hall of Famer. I actually think Jackson might have the highest upside of any of them. I think so. Um, you know, and, and I like Rosen quite a bit. Uh, but we'll get to we'll get to him in a moment. But Darnold, to me, again, that offense, you're not walking into a ready, you're not walking into what Watson has, Mm-mm. what Mahomes has. Like they don't have a running back. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on UnderdogFantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Their offensive line's a mess. Then you look outside, and, okay, Quincy Noon was decent, fine. Robbie Anderson's deep. But, like, they don't have any – there's nobody there who you're like, that guy's great. They have no, no. tight end. If I'm the Jets, 
I, I'm saying to myself, you know what? We've got Teddy Bridgewater, who, by the way, is reportedly playing very well in OTAs. We've got Josh McCown. Yep. Let those guys play, and then once the season gets to a point where we're four and six, fine. You want to start mm-hmm. him then? Cool. But I don't start him early on. I let him sit because I think these quarterbacks really can benefit from it. Yeah, and it's like this mold, this mold has been established before of having a veteran quarterback, drafting a rookie, letting him sit behind that veteran for a year, and then taking over. Like that used to be the like Aaron Rodgers did it with Brett Favre. You, the, the examples are endless. It's not always a pretty divorce. But that's why now we're seeing teams go out and get a veteran free agent quarterback who there's no loyalty to the franchise. Josh McCown, okay? You can get rid of Josh McCown in a year and replace him with Sam Darnold. You're not going to have some kind of messy divorce. You're not going to have the fan base rising up to say you can't get rid of this legend. That's why the Bears went out and got Mike Glennon because they thought the same thing was going to happen. They just didn't realize he was going to be a dumpster fire and they were going to have to chuck him into Lake Michigan halfway through the season. So, and again, if we're talking about... Lamar Jackson is coming into a situation where he's got two really good quarterbacks, veteran quarterbacks, to learn the game from. I said it when he was drafted, and I'm going to say it until I'm proven wrong, but Sam Darnold is in the best situation if you're looking at who is he learning the game from, how is he going to fit into that locker room, and how is it going to benefit his future. Josh McCown, a guy who's bounced around just about every single team in the league, has found a way to make a career out of it, and has found a way to be successful both with bad teams, and late in his career. So how many journeyman quarterbacks are there who have played for as many teams as McCown has and been as well-liked and respected and successful with teams as he has? His stint in Tampa Bay aside. But, you know, it it got us Jameis Winston, so I can't be too mad. (laughs) Same thing with Teddy Bridgewater. Okay, he's learning from a guy who's been against adversity. He's coming back from that horrifying leg injury. Yeah. Those are two guys that I want my rookie to be learning the game from. Because it goes more than, you know, it's a cliche, but it goes beyond the X's and the O's. It goes beyond how much game film you can watch. It's what is your work ethic? What is the way that you approach the game? And how do you feel while approaching the game? Sam Darnold is in a perfect situation to learn from two great high character guys. And like, you know, the Ravens aren't going to the playoffs this year. They're not going to win the Super Bowl. The Jets certainly are not going to win the Super Bowl this year. So this is a perfect situation for Darnold. Yeah. Uh, like Darnold, you know, and I, I, I really agree with all points. I, I think the Jets should be patient with him mm-hmm. and staying in that division. And this is a team I think should be very patient with their quarterback. <laughs> Okay, and I and I fear they are not going to be, and this is going to be one of these like Sean Kaiser situations. Yeah, the Buffalo Bills drafted Ooh. Josh Allen. Anybody who listens to this podcast knows I couldn't have been more clear on my feelings about Josh Allen to the point actually that his representatives canceled <laughs> uh, what was going to be fans out of flying out and doing a whole piece on it because I wrote that I think he's going to be terrible, and so. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just slide. Jordan Palmer <laughs> was like, we're not going to do that because of this piece, blah, blah, blah. Well, Jordan, maybe you get to prove me wrong, but I don't think you're going to. When you're not accurate in college football, you are not accurate in the NFL. Yeah. It is time tested. And guess what? He was not accurate. 56.2% completion rate at Wyoming. If you can't beat up on guys in the Mountain West, Ugh. you're going to have a tough time doing it in the NFL. And so I thought that he was a second-day project type of pick I knew he would go higher though because obviously it's all you heard leading into the draft he goes to the Bills I believe I don't want to get this wrong I believe it was at seventh seventh or eighth seventh overall pick okay um 
goes to the Bills to trade up for him. And you look at their depth chart. Like the Jets, we just sat here and talked about it. They have other mm-hmm. options. The Ravens, obviously, have Flacco. The, the Chiefs had Smith. You know, Watson somehow had Savage. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. The Bills have A.J. McCarron and Nathan Peterman. They have nothing oh, invested God. in either one of those guys. McCarron's there on a short-term deal that's almost no money, and Peterman snakes. Okay? They have no reason to start either one of those guys. My fear is the Bills are going to look at it and say, none of these guys are that good right now, but let's get mm-hmm. this kid some experience. And you want to talk about going into a bad situation, that is a train wreck. Here's a few reasons why. Because on the surface, you know, oh, it's a playoff team. Think about this. First of all, I'm very happy for the Bills who made the playoffs last year. It's been a long time. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody looked at the Bills last year and felt, yeah, they're, they're a team that's going to be here the next five years. Okay. The reason being, they have LaShawn McCoy, who's terrific. Beyond him, what is on that team? Kelvin Benjamin and Zay Jones are your starting receivers. I don't think anybody's too excited about that. Charles Clay is your tight end. Nothing to be that excited about there. Then you get into what is the biggest problem, the offensive line. Eric Wood had to retire for medical reasons. Rich mm-hmm. Incognito thinks he's being chased down by the FBI. The poor guy needs needs some some psychological help at the moment. Uh, was, a, was, was brought into a treatment facility for some of the mental issues he's dealing with. So he's not on the team, okay? And then Cordy Glenn gets traded to the Bengals. So your left tackle is gone. Your best guard Incognito is unfortunately dealing with some mental health problems. And then... Eric Wood has to retire because of injury. You have no offensive line. Mm-hmm. And Allen is not the most mobile guy on the face here. That, to me, screams disaster. I really hope they sit in behind McCarron, but history says they're not going to. No. And, you know, every generation we, of, of football, we say, needs this certain quarterback, needs this certain quarterback. And every generation needs a Joe Montana. Every generation needs a Barry Sanders. I think every generation needs a J.P. Loesman. And I think, you know, ironically, a Bills quarterback who comes out, isn't very good, and is just flames out. I don't know why. I'm trying to figure out why this name keeps coming up in my head every time I think of Josh Allen. But every time I say Josh Allen's name, I think of Patrick Ramsey. And I don't know why, but I think it's not great. Because Patrick Ramsey was actually, I believe he was accurate in college. Like, he wasn't an inaccurate passer. I'll let you know. Keep talking. But for some reason, that name just comes up. And I think it's because... It's teams that go out and they're like, we've got our first-round quarterback. We've got this guy who's going to come and lead us. And then they find a way to completely screw it up. So, you know, with Josh Allen, I really, really fear for him being rushed into a starting role that he's not ready for. But at the same time, it's like, when do you start him? Like, do you think this team's going to be better next year for him to start? Do you think that the offense is somehow going to turn it around? And that's why it's such a tough spot. It's not that, oh, they're going to start him too early. It's that, you know, they bought a car and they got no garage to put it in. Like, what are they going to do with him? Like, next year, in three years, is that offense going to be better than it is now? Who knows? There's no plan in place to try and fix that team other than they didn't want Tyrod Taylor because he wasn't a pocket passer. He wasn't going to sit and be a system quarterback. He was too mobile. He made plays on his feet. And guess what? They went to the playoffs. So they trade him to Cleveland, and then they draft Josh Allen, who's going to do exactly what you know Sean McDermott wants him to do. But is that going to be the right thing? I don't know. So I, my faith in the Bills, it's not very high. And it's truly unfortunate because, like you said, they, that fan base finally watched their team get back to the playoffs for the first time in almost 20 years. Yeah, well, and to, to piggyback here, Patrick Ramsey, uh, four years at Tulane, which is Conference USA at the time, three-year starter, completed 58.9% of his throws, 
72 touchdowns, 51 picks. And he was a first-round pick. And by the way, here's the all-time Patrick, Patrick Ramsey stat. This is at Tulane. He had 152 rushes. He ran for minus 128 <laughs> yards. <laughs> oh, Tulane. I believe and Sean King went to Tulane, The Redskins too. took him with the, with the first-round pick, 32nd overall. I took him in the first round. 20, uh, who was it, Sean King? Sean King. I think, Sean, I think J.P. Losman went Sean to Tulane, King was too. Atrocity. Sean King was a terrible, terrible player for your Buccaneers. Uh, and he, by the way, he did. Uh, Patrick Ramsey succeeded him. So, congratulations. Maybe a better comparison would be Joey Harrington. Didn't you, but yes, I think he was actually, actually good in college. You know, there he, was some hype around him. He was not accurate, though. No. He was not. He, he, and actually, great comparison. He completed 55.2% of his throws. Okay. Mm. That's a really interesting comparison. He was also not the most mobile guy in the face of the earth. Okay. Now, Harrington went third overall to the Lions. Only four picks ahead. And he was fourth in the Heisman voting. So, he was a better player in college. He was a Pac-10 uh, Pac the time mm. offensive player of the year in 2001 the year he came out um look I, my biggest problem with that one, and we'll move on is just he's not accurate mm. i know and i know people want to say well you know that's why there's coaches look guys who are not accurate in college and i wrote a whole piece on this on fanside.com they're not accurate in the pros they're they're never accurate in the pros it's almost impossible to find somebody who completed less than 60 percent of their throws in college mm-hmm. and then went on to do it in the pros from 2000 on, because before that, you start getting into, it was a different era, and guys complete. I mean, Kyle Bowler was a first-round <laughs> pick. Okay, Kyle Bowler was a first-round pick of the Ravens. Uh, I forgot about him. Okay, yeah, as oh, most people did. Wow. He was a 19th overall pick out of Cal in the, 20, in the, in the 2003 draft of the Ravens. In college, he completed 47.8% of his throws and was a first-round pick. Okay, so... And by the way, Kyle Bowler was an atrocity. Oh, my God. He was God. awful at the NFL level. Now, I, I'm not saying I think Josh Allen's going to be Kyle Bowler. Mm-mm. What I am saying is that dearth of weapons in Buffalo, combined with the fact that he's got a defensive-minded head coach in Sean McDermott, combined again with his college statistics, tell me that that is not going to end well. However... What I do think is going to end well is Josh Rosen in Arizona. Yes. I love Josh Rosen coming out of school. There were three guys in this draft I really liked. uh, Sam Darnold, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Rosen. Mm -hmm. Those three guys really did it for me. I I like, And I think Mayfield, to me, I was kind of lukewarm on, and I'm out on Allen, so we can play this back in five years and find out how I did. But I think Rosen, of any of them, has the most arm talent. I think Jackson's the best athlete. I think Darnold's got the highest ceiling. Mm-hmm. I think Rosen could be very much like the guy he's replacing in Carson Palmer. Yeah. I, I think that's – and I know, you know, weird kind of to go from UCLA to a USC guy, but look, that is a great situation for them to go into. They have David Johnson behind them. They've got Larry Fitzgerald to show him the ropes. He's behind Sam Bradford, who unfortunately probably gets hurt week one, if not earlier, but – he could sit for a while. I think it would behoove him to sit for a little bit. Um, I think Rosen is going to be a very good player in the NFL. I think the worst you're getting is Jay Cutler, which as much as we make fun of Jay Cutler, like you could do worse than that. Yeah. And I think the best you're doing is a guy who, who could vie to be you know, an all-pro type yep. player. I think he's really good. The Cardinals have no pressure on them this year. Everybody's looking at the Rams, looking at the Niners, Seattle even to a lesser extent. Nobody's thinking about the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. He can stink this year if he has to to get better long term, and nobody's going to get on him. I really like 
Rosen as being a quarterback who's going to be very good in a few years, and this year could be decent if thrust <laughs> into the into the role. Yeah, and you know, if we're making comparisons to Josh Allen to bad quarterbacks, a lot of Josh Rosen reminds me of Aaron Rodgers, and it's not so much. I'm talking off the field stuff. So like when he's drafted. And he gives that now infamous post-draft interview where he's like, you know, teams made, there's nine teams that made nine mistakes before I was picked. That, to me, is Aaron Rodgers-esque. That is a guy, and for all that we know about him, too, he's very intelligent. He's also kind of a loner. He's, he's so involved in football. He is so just absolutely encapsulated in the game that he doesn't have time for anything else. As much as we want, as much as teams wanted to harp on how intellectual he was, which isn't a knock at all, he reminds me so much of Aaron Rodgers in that he is just laser focused and he is motivated. He is a guy who is like, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to tell you I'm going to be the best. And then once I am the best, I'm going to remember everybody that said I wasn't going to be. So I'm really excited. And he's in Arizona. I think you mentioned it. Actually, I think he did mention it. Uh, I forget if it was on the podcast or was the draft show, but he's in the Arizona media market. Yep. So that's very kind of closed up. You want to talk about he's an isolationist player, kind of a loner. He's out there literally in the desert to learn the game, to settle in, and then he's going to come out. And he's in the division where Seattle – God bless Russell Wilson, but that is not a good situation, and I think they're on the downside. You've got the Cardinals, obviously, who are going to be whatever Josh Rosen wants them to be. And then you've got, by the time I think he comes around, the Rams and the 49ers are going to be kind of where the Seahawks and the 49ers were a couple of years ago, where they're kind of near their peak. Then he's going to sneak in there. So he can bide his time in the NFC West bide his time in the NFC in general, and literally just learn like the karate kid out in the desert learning the game. So I'm really excited about Josh Rosen and this, this whole thing. He's going to get a lot of Tom Brady knocks where he's you know, not good with the media. He's, not, he's kind of a, you know, whatever you want to say. Don't pay attention to that. He is into the game of football, and we're going to see that on the field. And unless he goes out and literally lays a dud and proves me wrong— it's going to take a couple of years before we actually have something on him. I just always laugh. You know, people pointed out when he was in college at UCLA that he had a, a big, uh, like a, a jacuzzi, basically, yeah. in, his, in his dorm room. <laughs> and people kill him for that. Anyone listening to this podcast, you are a liar. If you had the means to put a, mm-hmm. a jacuzzi in your dorm room and hang out with other people, uh, you would be doing that. Yeah. Okay, I'm not going to get too into this. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. I don't want to lose my job, but let's be real. (laughs) You're a college kid, and you're going to have the jacuzzi, and you're the quarterback of a Pac-10 football team, Pac-12 football team. Yeah, I think you're signing for that, okay? Mm-hmm. I went to college, and believe me, I was not that. I was, <laughs> I was not a starting quarterback. I would have signed up for that. Even if it was just me in it, mm-hmm. I would have been a big fan. So give me a break. Um, one guy that we have not talked about, ironically enough, was the number one overall pick, yep. and that's Baker Mayfield, okay? And he is the last of the big-name guys. Um Mayfield was a shock to a lot of people, frankly, mm-hmm. that he went number one. 
the Browns take him over all these other quarterbacks we've talked about. We could debate forever whether they should or shouldn't have taken him there. They did. He's behind Tyrod Taylor right now. The, the Browns have already come out and said he's a starter. Of course, Hugh Jackson, they'll change the starters like, like I change you know, pants. It's a day-to-day thing. So the question becomes, does Mayfield start at any point this season? And if you think he does, by when? Well, I'm of two minds of this. One mind is the sane mind, where it says, no, he doesn't start at all because the smart thing is just to let him sit behind Tyrod Taylor, who actually doesn't give the Browns that bad of a chance to be decent this year. You know, we knocked Tyrod Taylor a little bit last year, but a lot of his problems were the Bills just never believed in him. Sean McDermott never believed in him. So, and he didn't get the support that he needed. Now he's in Cleveland, which I'm not going to say is a better situation, but he at least has a bigger sandbox to play in and a lot less expectation. So I would let Tyrod Taylor start and just let Baker Mayfield sit behind them. But because Hugh Jackson's the head coach and because, like you said, he changes quarterbacks like he does outfits, um, he's going to start too soon. And hopefully, because John Dorsey's running the franchise now, the right decision is made as to when to start him. But I'm just... I, I compare it a lot to the Buffalo situation in that, what is there? When do you start him if you're not going to start him right away? And if you do start him right away, or at any point this season, what does that offense look like? I think Cleveland's offense is marginally better than Buffalo's offense, just because you know yeah. they, they, they did make some trades this offseason. They brought in some talent. They made some signings, made some moves. So there's something there. But you know that expectation, we talk about the expectation to have to come in for, for Patrick Mahomes to come in and be the guy in, Cle- in Kansas City. Cleveland, it's kind of the same thing. Baker Mayfield, whoever was drafted number one was going to have a lot on their shoulders. But because Baker Mayfield was the guy and it was such a shock, that adds so much more weight to his expectation. So for him to come in and then he goes, you know, not to make this direct comparison, but Johnny Manziel. So he's got all this hype, comes out, and then doesn't perform. Off, off the field stuff aside. On field, doesn't perform, doesn't live up to expectations. All of a sudden, he's going to have everybody turning on him. And from what we've seen about Baker Mayfield, he doesn't take criticism very well. And he doesn't take to the national media very well. So what happens when that all turns on him and then all of a sudden that's working in his head? On paper, I hope it works out and I'm excited to see how it plays out. But I just don't trust Hugh Jackson in this situation. It's kind of like the Deshaun Watson, Bill O'Brien thing to a much more disturbing effect. Yeah, look, Mayfield, I do think he's got a lot more talent in Cleveland, especially mm-hmm. if Josh Gordon can stay on the right path because then yeah. you have him. I'm kind of out on the Corey Coleman situation, but they mm-hmm. have Jarvis Landry, Carlos Hyde there, Duke Williams. Like they, they have talent. Mm-hmm. Um, the offensive line, a bit of a question mark after Joe, Joe Thomas retired, but... Um, I don't think Mayfield starts early in the year. I think he probably starts the second half of the season. Hopefully. Um, I think Mayfield's got a lot of talent. My question with him, and I think it's everybody's question with him, can he keep his head where it needs to be? Mm. Can, because talent-wise, look, he's, he's obviously got ability, but he needs to keep himself in the right frame of mind because this isn't Oklahoma. He's not going 11-1 every year. Like, no. They're going to stink, Okay. And here's here's bold prediction number two of this podcast. Hugh Jackson is fired by Halloween, and Todd Haley's the head coach of that team. That's not bad. And you know what? I'm going to say something that's going to surprise a lot of people who listen to this. (laughs) I like Todd Haley. I know a lot of people as Chief fans, oh, Todd Haley. Look, Todd Haley 
coached Matt Castle to the Pro Bowl and won a division <laughs> with that team, okay? You want to see an unbelievable coaching job? Go look at what Todd Haley did with the 2010 Chiefs, which, by the way, were basically Dwayne Bowe, Jamal Charles, and 51 guys you've never heard of, mm-hmm. okay? That team somehow got itself to a 10-6 and record. Now, Charlie Weiss and Romeo Cronell are the coordinators on that team, but I do think Haley can coach. I really do. I think Haley is an underrated coach. I think he deserves another shot. And I think he'd be good for Mayfield because he will not take an ounce of crap. Yeah. One thing about, and that's why Roethlisberger never liked him because it certainly wasn't the stats Roethlisberger was putting up because he put up his best numbers ever when Haley was there. Haley, Haley was not going to back down to Roethlisberger, and that's why there's so much friction there all the time. Yep. I really like the idea of Haley being the coach. I think he's going to be the coach there because Dorsey brought him in. And so the second Jackson's fired, you can mark my words, it's just going to be the head coach mm-hmm. of that team. So I like Mayfield in that situation. But I, I will say, though, to me, it's more mental with him. Yep. It's all about where is he between the ears. Um, we're going to find out. I think we're going to find out sooner rather than later. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with everything that, that you said. Because my biggest thing with Mayfield is as much as it's exciting that he – changes the culture in that locker room, a locker room that desperately needs a culture change. Uh, where is that going to lead? What's the end game to it? Is he going to be in a game against the Steelers where they're just getting their asses kicked? And is he going to be over on the sidelines sulking? I mean, we've heard, you know, Cam Newton does the same thing. Like right. he's, the Panthers are losing. He's over there with a towel on his head. He's moping. But, you know, Cam Newton's an MVP. Cam Newton's played in a Super Bowl. Cam Newton, you know, for all the knocks on him, is, you know, a top 15 quarterback in the NFL. So can Baker Mayfield be the guy who is able to be that high energy, be that cocky guy, and also be able to take it when it's dished out at him? Is he able – because, you know, an underrated thing here, and everybody's talking about Baker Mayfield and how he performs. He's talked a lot. He's a very cocky guy. What happens when those veteran Pittsburgh Steelers defensive guys are like, all right, rookie, you think you're tough stuff? You think you're tough stuff coming from Oklahoma to, to Cleveland? Welcome to the NFL. You know, that's a cliche, but you know those ra- Terrell Suggs? You think he's going to be nice with a guy who's going to be in his division for as long as Terrell Suggs plays in Baltimore? No. No. So it's all – and this goes across the board with all the rookies. You know, it, we say it all the time. It's a jump. You said about Lamar Jackson. It's a big jump from college to the NFL. Same thing with Baker Mayfield. It, how does that cockiness translate to how his opponents treat him and how then he receives that and reacts to it? It's nice that he's changed in Cleveland. It's nice that he gives them some edge. But if that edge gets dulled because he's, A, not good right away, and, B, people are just beating the daylights out of him and he's not able to take it, then that changes a lot of things. It's going to be very interesting. Uh, look, I will say out of all the quarterbacks you talked about, Okay, first and second year guys talked about five first year kids. We talked about the three major. We actually talked about Kaiser as well, but mm-hmm. excluding him since not going to start. We talked about three second year guys, so eight all all told. I think we will see two of them in the playoffs this year. Uh, I think we will see Watson because I think he's going to win that division, mm-hmm. and I think we're going to see Mahomes. Uh, I don't know whether I think they're going to be a wild card or not, or a, a division winner, but I think they're going to get in. And you'll notice both are in the AFC because the AFC is horrific. Yeah. Um, but I think those are two good teams. And I'll also say this uh, as a wrap-up to all this. The AFC, looking at it, last year I think everybody thought, okay, it's New England. 
Mm-hmm. It's got to be New England, and eventually it was. This might be the most wide open the AFC's been in a long time. There's no Peyton Manning. Yeah, there's still Tom Brady, but that team took a lot of hits this offseason. They're having a very turbulent spring. Mm-hmm. The Steelers, after what happened with Brian Chazier and what's going on again with Le'Veon Bell and what's been said with Roethlisberger, I, I, you know, you wonder. I could, I could see two teams that are not named the Steelers and the Pats getting to the AFC Championship game. I'm not saying it's the Texans and the Chiefs. Believe me, I'm not saying it's the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs have not won a playoff game at home since the Reagan administration. Okay, so I'm not I'm not saying that. But I am saying there's opportunity for teams like Houston and Kansas City to step up and make a move. Uh, far more than I think there is for a team like the Bears, who it's not that they can't be better, it's just the NFC's loaded. Um, but that that is all we have in the court. I, I want to leave this just a kind of a sideways note, but I just want to mention because I think it does matter. When I let in, we talked about how everybody's in OTAs right now. Don't get hurt. Don't get hurt. It's the only thing that matters. Yeah. You don't get hurt, you're, you're fine. Well, I wrote last week about the Chargers mm-hmm. and how this is it for them. If they don't mm-hmm. win the division this year, it's time to blow it up. They mm-hmm. got a bunch of contracts coming up. Rivers is 37 in December. I said this has got to be the time for the Chargers because the Chiefs are in a kind of, I don't want to say a rebuild, but they're, they're molding a new team. They moved around a lot of parts. The mm-hmm. Broncos kind of in flux. The Raiders They've got a lot of stuff going on. The Chargers, if there ever is going to be a time for them to do it, now's the time. And Hunter Henry blows his ACL out yep. running around in OTAs. And I just – I don't know if it's enough for me to say I don't think the Chargers will win the division because I, I do have them as a slight favorite going in only because I know what Rivers is and I don't know yet what Mahomes is. But, like, I just – if there's ever a team that you just look at every year and say – of course that happened. Mm-hmm. It's the Chargers. And Hunter Henry going down is a bigger injury than I think a lot of people realize. He's a very good young player. They don't have Gates on the team anymore. That is a major loss to happen to you in May. Yeah. And I'll just I'll, I'll end on this and, and let you wrap it up. But that's not going to be the biggest injury of the summer. The, every nope, single year, there's one big name guy that's going to go down. He's going to land wrong. He's going to shred up his knee. He's going to break an arm. It's, even if it's a minor thing, even if it's somebody that breaks a finger in a preseason game, there's going to be a big name, and I just don't know who it's going to be, but it's going to, again, we say this all the time, we can't read the tea leaves. We can't predict. You know, Nobody had the Eagles in the Super Bowl last year, right. let alone Nick Foles being the MVP of that game. So right now it's impossible to make these predictions. And part of that reason is we still haven't had that big injury. We still haven't had that one where it's like, all right, now the picture is starting to form because this guy's out of it. So just keep an eye on that. It's a good point. We've seen a lot in the last handful of years. Think back to guys like Jeremy Macklin, Julian yeah. Edelman, Jordy Nelson, of course, those all receivers. But, you know, we saw Sam Bradford a couple of years back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right. It happens. It happens every year. And a lot of times it's non-contact. Mm-hmm. Guys just going down. But the first big one of the year is, is Hunter Henry, the Chargers. Yep. Who, by the way, also their second-year guard, Forrest Lamp, who missed all last year with the torn ACL he had in camp, he needed to have another knee surgery. Mm-hmm. Now, they say it's not a big deal, but I'm sorry. If you had a knee surgery and then you have to have another one before you can get on the field, mm-hmm. it's a problem. The NFL, it is. <laughs> it is nonstop. And I hope you enjoyed this because we went 57 minutes and we didn't talk once about the, the stupid anthem controversy, which if I have to write about one more time, I'm going to throw myself out a window. I actually did this podcast kneeling. so oh, <laughs> I don't care what side of the aisle you fall on. I really don't. At this point, I am so sick of talking about it, hearing about it, reading about it. Uh, I, oh, 
for just enough. So uh, with that all being said, thank you very much for being patient this week. Obviously, uh, had to wait a few days longer than normal, but hopefully made it worth it for you. Went really long, almost a full hour like we do during the regular season, so hopefully that makes up. We will be back on Monday. We'll be on YouTube Live on a Facebook channel, uh, or excuse me, on a fan-sided YouTube channel. Um, and, of course, you can always check us out on iTunes. Subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, and read all of our stuff on fanside.com. Not just Josh and I, but everybody. Ian Levy does a great job at the NBA Finals. Uh, and Michelle Bruton is killing it with the Stanley Cup Final. Uh, which, by the way, if you're not watching, what are you doing? It's a, it's a great final. Um, throwing a little hockey in this podcast. So, uh, with that being said, last thing, thank you very much to our sponsor, um, Fanatics, who if, if you go to fanside.fanatics.com, you get 20% off of shipping with the code FANSIDED. Uh, they, they're, they're phenomenal. They're a great partner. We're really proud to work with them. So on that note, uh, he is Josh Hill. I am Matt Verderam. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the rest of your week, which is only a little bit this time, and all of your weekend. Progressive presents today's to-do list for your dog. Check front door. Check window. Check other window. Rest chin on ground. Look into distance. Bark for no reason. Check front door. Check window. Check other window. Your pet has a very busy schedule, so it's up to you to make sure they're protected. That's why Progressive Car Insurance covers your pets for up to $1,000 if they're ever in a car accident with you. Chase shiny ball. Loose shiny ball. Find shiny ball. Eat shiny ball. Get coverage for your pets with anti-auto policy from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with a purchase of collision coverage and subject to policy terms. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today. And view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals.